0: Welcome to JR Out Loud, the podcast of Jewish Renaissance. My name is Judy Herman, and it's exciting for me today to welcome Victor Esses and to talk about your wonderful show, Where to Belong.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I haven't had a chance to see the show, but I've been reading so much about it. I'm hoping to get to it because it just sounds extraordinary. Would you like to describe it
1: first? yes where to belong is a solo multimedia uh, piece which has a lot of storytelling which is about uh, my identity as a jewish lebanese brazilian gay man and yes in it i just describe my different journeys also my family's journey leaving lebanon Uh, my mom left lebanon in the middle of a civil war and ended up in Brazil. She moved around to many other places before. So it's a story of migration and identity. Would you say
0: that it's actually poignantly timely at the moment? I think we should talk about that first in a way. I mean, you must shine with you so much what's going on at the moment in Afghanistan and in other countries as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, refugee crises happen all the time and right now is devastating what's going on in Afghanistan and and, and people trying to get out uh, and we're going to have to welcome them and and that's a beautiful thing and and so far it's been a good thing that the reaction seemed like that people are going to welcome these refugees, but it's not always been the case, right? And 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 I'm not sure how many people will welcome and 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 that's what I want to talk about. I'm the child of refugees. It's like if you think of refugee as an idea or as, I don't know, something we're not sure what it is, it's the enemy, because some people do think about that. We're all part of it, I think. That's what I wanted to talk about.
0: Well, I agree with you completely. And whilst we're on that very specific part of your story, I mean, I know that's what it's about, but your identity, let's say. This is an identity which Jews must share. Surely we have spent a couple of thousand years being refugees, really, all crystallized and brought to a head during the show, of the Holocaust. So I'm hoping that's one identity that is strong for you, that works, where you have empathy.
1: Absolutely. I mean, my Jewish identity is a very strong part of my identity. I, I grew up in a very Jewish religious community Sephardic so community in Brazil, um, our history is so embedded in migration. You can't separate the two, I think. The Jewish identity, yeah, is, is exemplified by it. And I think every single Jewish person will relate to it. But also, I find it very important that I'm talking about also a Sephardic identity, mm. because I don't feel like we get a lot of um, airtime in storytelling or in films or in theatre. And that was very much an interest of mine, all these very rich identities that are not known about. From
0: our point of view at Jewish Renaissance, where we have a very strong Sephardic connection, and it's in a separate section just to highlight it in the magazine although sometimes we're saying is that a safari ghetto that we're sticking this section in separately and maybe it should be integrated which is something else i wanted to talk to you because i think it must be rather wonderful for you as i said to have different ways to identify i mean that that could be a bad thing or a good thing but it looks to me to be a plus factor as i said so should we just talk about why you landed up in brazil and i know that where to belong, it is your mother's journey. And she did move, move right across the world. I mean, she's moving continents to go from, I think, from the Lebanon to Brazil. Is that right? So would you like to just explain the circumstances of that? And I know you've been back to Lebanon because, again, the area is in turmoil. Lebanon has got so many problems at the moment. that I mean, this really has oh, so many implications and reverberations. of show, doesn't it? So please talk about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, it's it's amazing that there is an outlet like Jewish Renaissance, you know, talking about different stories and different perspectives. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, But in terms of my mother's story, like First, you talked about the Sephardic thing, I guess. Um, and you're like, should we integrate or not? And absolutely, we should integrate. But I think it's the same situation with any mainstream and, and a, let's say, a marginalized group because it is a smaller group and it is a group that doesn't get uh, mainstream uh, visibility and things like that. So I th- I do think that there are important places to exist, I think, like this separate Sephardic space just to, to, to make sure it's very visible um my mother's story she grew up in in beirut in lebanon and she was turning 15 when a civil war broke out which meant that uh everything changed obviously and 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 she lived right in the center of town uh, the jews lived very much in the center of town wadi abojmil and, and and my mom lived in the Riffinissi, which is like uh, near there it's near the sea as well very integrated in society in terms of the economy and in terms of working with the the society and, and living with other people but very strong community sense and from there they had to leave and the group hias which is the jewish refugee organization that helps so many people around the world and nowadays is not just focused on jews they they helped her and her family out overnight it was 10 days into a war And they left, and and they ended up in Paris for a year because my uh, aunt, uh, her sister, was living in Paris. And then her journey to Brazil was after that was five years in Houston, Texas. And and then she went to visit an aunt in Brazil, I think to find a husband, as Jewish people in communities do sometimes. (laughs) And she met my my dad there, and she ended up there. There
0: are some beautiful heartwarming events there as well as the heart-rending ones, aren't there? I mean, having to, to flee. So, did you say she was only 15 when she fled? Oh,
1: yes. That's right. Yeah. And she turned she turned 15 in those 10 days in, in when the war broke out. So was it because of the civil war that
0: she fled or was it just very difficult for Jews specifically at that point?
1: In her case, it was because of the civil war. My father left Lebanon a few years before that, in 1967, after the Six-Day War. So, obviously, the the creation of Israel meant that Jews in the Arabic countries, in the neighboring countries, their situation changed a little bit in terms of it became a bit complicated when, when Israel spoke for all of the Jews in the world. And these communities that lived quite well um, in the Middle East up to then, ov- obviously not perfectly. In Syria, there was a lot of anti-Semitism. But Lebanon, the, the community was quite integrated, I would say. And, but that changed a lot, obviously. So, so gradually, they, they kept leaving. But my mom's story is, as a Christian uh, Lebanese or as a Muslim Lebanese, she had to leave when, when a, a civil war broke, like many others.
0: So... There they are. They're in Brazil. And language, is that a problem? I mean, they must have been good linguists by the sound of it.
1: She is better than she she knows that she is because (laughs) um, (laughs) she, she speaks very good English in an American accent. She spent five years in Houston, Texas. And uh, she moved to Brazil. Yeah, the language in the early days was very difficult for her. But, you know, forwards a few years later, her accent is better than my dad's, like in Portuguese, like it's clearer. And uh, maybe my dad's vocabulary is better, but she she does speak very good Portuguese.
0: Tell me a bit then, as we're in Brazil, tell me a bit about your... Brazilian identity and your childhood and your young adulthood there, I suppose.
1: So I guess, yeah, one of the things I talk about in Where to Belong is is how these identities merge with each other, because I grew up um, in Sao Paulo, Brazil in a Jewish community, which was very strong as a gay man. So these are three like identities, which were obviously the gay identity I didn't relate to at the time because I I couldn't, it wasn't visible to me. Whatever was seen was was, um, not perceived as something good. So my Brazilian identity is very interesting. We felt Brazilian, we didn't feel anything else. We felt Jewish-Brazilian and of course Lebanese, like in terms of inheritance. We grew up eating Brazilian food and Lebanese food at home. We grew up listening to Brazilian music in the radio and American music or or whatever. Um, It's a way of, I think our personalities, the way you deal like in the streets with each other and the warmth and the the kind of um, finding ways around things. These are all like, uh, I think mixed together. Um, But of course, because I was in a Jewish community, we also felt a bit different. Like there was that idea, we are Jewish, and there was that idea, okay, those are like a group of people and we're a separate group of people.
0: But our language
1: at home, even though my parents spoke Arabic with each other, they spoke to us in Portuguese. We spoke to each other in Portuguese, yeah. So was there
0: a problem, was there ever any sort of atmosphere, I mean, Brazil's a Catholic country, isn't it? So how does the Jewish community fit into that? And I suppose, how did you fit straight into
1: it? I'm going to, I want to say, you know, anti-Semitism in Brazil wasn't very obvious it's almost the opposite like uh, lots of people admire the Jewish community they see the Jews as 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 people who can work hard and can make money and they look up to <laughs> them in that way that's uh, the old trope but that's kind of how it's seen um as jews do you know they integrate like there's all kinds of jewish people obviously you know there's the more religious which can be more segregated but then there are the more liberal ones who integrate in society and and, and contribute to the arts and contribute to um all areas really so in a sense yeah, that's my memories. Like people looked at you, yeah, you're Jewish. And there was a bit of a joke, but not in a malicious way. Like, it's just like they would separate people from anyone. They would call someone blonde a German, or they would call okay. like...
0: So were you, would you say your family was observant? I mean, did you go to synagogue a lot? So that's interesting Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so far, so comfortable possibly, although there's been a lot of pain, but. You not for you, and I'm guessing. So you're in a Catholic country, and you've got a background which is Jewish, Muslims, well, really Lebanese, yeah, Brazilian, I mean, but you said you weren't so aware of being gay. Is that because it was that's more difficult there?
1: So yeah, you, abso-
0: sorry. yeah, it was
1: difficult in a in a religious community. It was difficult because there's no visibility of it, and and it was quiet looked um, down or, upon and um yeah a lot of homophobia and jokes being made about it and i didn't know myself what i was i i knew i had some feelings for people of the same sex and i didn't understand it but there was nowhere really to talk about it even in therapies that i was doing i didn't feel very safe to do it because Again, it was a Jewish therapist that was recommended by the school. And like, I don't know, it was like a lot of uh, these little connections. How but, old yeah.
0: were you when you were, um, met this therapist when you were to this therapist?
1: Um, I first started going to therapist quite young, like I was a, a young child. I think my brother was born. It wasn't like talking therapy at the time. It was just like play therapy, like, uh, I guess. Yeah that was the first big event was my brother uh, being born and and... but later on they I went back to her when I think I wasn't very comfortable in my in in who I was I did I wasn't understanding and I I just had I guess this this is again very pertinent to what we talk about and where to belong because it's this idea of identity, who am I? And it's like, I'm a Jew, but I'm Brazilian. So I'm not fully Brazilian. Um, I'm, uh, I'm gay, but I'm Jewish. So am I fully Jewish? <laughs> um, and, and all of these things, like I could, didn't call myself gay at the time, but I knew I had feelings for, for people of the same gender. So it was very conf- a very confusing time, I would say.
0: Would, would you say that obviously we need to talk about the play, but are we on a journey where you're now able to say, it looks as if you are, I'm gay and I'm Jewish, not I'm gay, but I'm Jewish. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. And that's something that I can tell you is very recent. I don't know. Like, I, it's not recent. I've always said that I'm Jewish. I never let that behind. But, it, but it's in terms of my Jewish, because my parents are observant. So I grew up. I was observing when I was a child, I, I was at one point when I was a teenager, I was quite religious, like I was praying, you know, doing shacharit mincha arvit, like I was doing all the prayers and I... And Every day I was,
0: you were doing all the different services, yes.
1: Mm. Exactly, the services and I, and I was keeping Shabbat, you know, observing the Sabbath and I was uh, observing the holidays, the holy days and, and, and then Yeah, and then at some point in my life, I felt like I had to choose between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to say, like, I didn't spend a lot of time. There's this uh, organization in in the UK called Keshit UK. They are a queer Jewish organization. They they go to schools in the UK, which is a wonderful thing. I I had a session, like a training session. I was going to volunteer with them. And then in the end, I I felt it wasn't right for me to do that because I wasn't ready. I was in like it was a lot for me to go back to my childhood and then share with other people. But that one training session gave me a lot because the part of the training was saying that their their theme or their main motto is like you don't have to choose between your Jewishness and your sexuality or your gender. And that's very strong for me because now I don't and, and, and this is part of this journey. I find
0: that really heartwarming, mm-hmm. as I said. I'm a, a liberal Jew and a strongly liberal Jew. I identify and I practice. I'm in the choir. I'm there all the time. I do a lot. And of course, we we accept gay marriage under the hoopoe, which is just so beautiful. I can't tell you. It's a joy to see. But I think that if that's not your movement, you need to do what you what's right for you and the movement that you belong to and the way that you identify and the way that you pray. But it's just, I hope you agree that it's nice to know it's there.
1: Perhaps. Absolutely. You, when you said that, I felt a bit moved. So that's, that's the power of it. Because, like, I never in my life believed, as I was growing up and in my early twenties or even late twenties, I never believed that that would ever be a possibility. So even to hear that today, it it provokes a lot, like, of emotion. So.
0: Good, good. Well, it sounds to me as if your play promotes a lot of emotion too. Um, it actually seems to be the story of you going to the Lebanon, back to the Lebanon. I'm going to say back. I mean, you're taking the family back um, and charting. There's, there's quite a lot of charting of your mother's story when you get there and you tell the story in a multimedia sort of way, don't you? There's video projection, photograph, music and song. It sounds very beautiful. And I've seen obviously some pictures and I, I, I've been reading about it. So now I can't wait to see it. I must catch up with it at some point. We'll talk about that. So, do you want to tell us a bit about the storytelling? I think your mother even gets into it, doesn't
1: she? Is that right? Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, footage, archival footage, that was created during this journey. So I, I went back to Lebanon, and 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 I'm I'm okay with that expression because it's it it did feel like a return. It felt like like you said, like bringing my family back. I was the first one. Uh, you know, in my family to ever go back since both of them left, and since my grandparents and all the family left. So that's actually what um triggered the idea of making where to belong was to was that trip. It's been years in the making because, I I was always curious about it. I never thought I could go. And then it got to some time where my parents were excited to go and we we made uh, plans to go together. It was 2006, they came to London. We packed our bags. And then we heard that the war broke out in in Lebanon, that Israel was like coming in and and things like that, and that prevented us from going in 2006. So come 2017, and I have Lebanese friends, uh, you know, Jihad, he's a Muslim, uh, Lebanese friend. He, he grew up in Sierra Leone, and and he he lived in Manchester as well and Bahi another friend um, and they they were like you need to come just come like I, I was tired of waiting for my parents to be ready <laughs> and, oh <my> uh, <laughs> and I just uh, booked I said I can go with my partner and, and I booked and I, I had a conversation with my parents on Skype and I wrote down a lot of the places and I went back and and wow, it was like uh, I can't explain. Even you know, the emotion was very strong. My body was um, heavy. Like my, it was a beautiful thing to experience after hearing so much about it, and and to feel the energy, and it was a lot of energy, and I was overwhelmed, and 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 to feel the identification because also you know we are very much part of that. Like that's in my, and. Um, Yes.
0: <laughs> I'm interested that you mention your partner. So you have got a partner, and that's beautiful. And and he went with, which is beautiful as well. and he went with you.
1: Yes, he did.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so and he's got a background that works as well for you. So how long have you been together, actually?
1: We've now been together for seven and a half years.
0: Wow. Right, so you're an old married couple, really, <laughs> yes. That's beautiful. What does he do?
1: He's a visual artist and he also does the sets for for my show.
0: Ah, oh, right, yes. At the moment you said visual artist, I thought, right, he's in there somewhere. Well, that's fantastic. Please name him if you want to, because maybe that would be nice to know his name.
1: Yeah, so he's called Yorgos Petru. And he's from Cyprus, and uh, he's a visual artist. So it was yeah, very interesting artist. And, and apart from having a relationship, an intimate relationship, we also, with the years, um, developed a, a collaboration, like an artistic collaboration, which which makes it even richer. And yeah,
0: oh, what lovely words are coming out here, richer. I like that very much too. So, as I said, so far the heartwarming. The inclusivity, the positivity, seems to be where we're going. It's not where to belong, there's nowhere. It's, goodness me, where I do identify in so many ways. I fit in all over the place. It seems, that's what it seems to me anyway, and, and I can see why it's moving. And I know people have actually picked out the footage with your mother. There's looking around a room or something, isn't it? Can you tell me about showing her this room?
1: Yes, so... Um... When we went to Lebanon, actually Yorgos was doing a lot of the filming as well, but then he left and I didn't have him. But Jihad came (laughs) with me. We managed to to find my mother's flat through Mm. a friend of a friend and he was still there. Like it was in the middle of uh, the main place where the war happened, like in the center. But the whole building was there, like my father's building wasn't. And my friend's friend lived downstairs and he knew the person who lived in the exact flat where she lived in. And so I had the incredible experience of actually going into that home that I've heard about where they've they've, you know stayed for 10 days in front of the main door of the front door so they wouldn't weren't next to the windows because the bombs and the shots might have hit them I you know I went through the dining room the living room and 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 I facetimed my mom from there and uh (laughs) and 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 it was a, a lovely moment because I didn't really tell, like I told her I was gonna, but she was driving in Sao Paulo and, and then she was on her phone watching it. And, and, and she was so emotional, you know, that she, yeah, that place that she had left mm-hmm. overnight.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because people do go back to look at where, you know, their parents lived or, and all the rest of it. What really stood out for me there was when you said the place where she had to hide, the place where they had to be still. So, I mean, there's so much baggage there, isn't there? So it's not just, oh, lovely um, reminiscences, it's it's, it's not sentimentality, it's something much bigger than that, isn't it?
1: Yes, And, and also to see the context, to see her bedroom where she slept with her siblings, like now it's one uh, lovely artist living in that whole flat and she was feeling a bit embarrassed because she's like it was my whole my mom's whole family just to even see the difference in the way they lived then and we live now like the the grandmother would have her own room and then the parents their own room and then the siblings would share a room like that kind of thing and to see like the landscape around and the hotels nearby. They always mention these hotels because it's a very touristy area. It was, I don't think it is anymore.
0: No. Um yeah. Sadly. There's been so much disaster there, hasn't there? And of course now we're in the middle of the pandemic. Looking back on that, you must realise how timely your visit was, 2017. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, that was. You never know when it's a good time or when it isn't. It's such a troubled part of the world that it's um, such a shame. And uh, yeah, like I told you in two thousand and six, it seemed like a good time, and then it wasn't. And and it was so. I'm so happy that I had that opportunity and that it worked out.
0: And that you had this wonderful idea. You knew you were going to make the show when you went, on, didn't you? Did you?
1: I knew that i wanted to make a show i didn't know what or how and and it just felt like a very important thing in my life
0: so how long did it take you when you got back to get to work out how you were going to do the show and and get it up and running and
1: on the road eventually um i came back and i just didn't touch the things for a few months for three months this was January, maybe in April, I started doing some work on it and, and writing ideas and, and trying to figure out, okay, what could this be? And trying to brainstorm and, and imagine. And, and I knew I, I wanted to work with projection. I knew that I wanted to experiment with storytelling. And, and my the type of work that interests me is often very grounded diy is very like uh, cr- of creating images with very little like so suggesting things or make, doing gestures that 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 make your imagination and uh, go away with it and and also i really wanted it was a time of a lot of division back in in london and in the in the uk you know of, of brexit or so much mm. oh going right on. Yes, yes yes yeah yeah. So then, I wanted people to look at uh, at other experiences and see how it could be them. Like, so that's why even you know, there, I ask a lot of questions of the audience in the show. Mm-hmm. So I bring your own stories in.
0: Oh, right. Tell me a bit about that. Tell me about asking the audience. The sorts of responses you've had.
1: Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, to your listeners, like, I, I ask you questions, and I, like, for me, it's about, like, like, telling my unique story, but also bringing your own experiences. So I ask you, for example, um, what is your favorite, what was your favorite food when you were growing up, or um, <laughs> do you remember a memory of, from your childhood that reminds you of home, and can you tell me about that, or... And as the show progresses, I ask bigger questions, which, um, yeah, are more related to, you know, fleeing and and having to change a situation overnight. And and that's what I want is also to have these stories in the centre with me and as part of this, because it's a story about all of us, even though it sounds like such a specific story.
0: I think that's probably the, the important thing you want people to take away from it. So um, you're about to go on tour with it, but you have done it quite a great deal, done it in Edinburgh. I expect it's morphed on the way, has presumably changed a little bit, because shows do, don't they? But you've already okay. toured, I think, and you've certainly done some runs, and you've done a, a decent run in London, haven't you, um, and you've had a very positive reactions. So. Um, do you, why are you going? Where are you, Well, where are you going? I mean, I've got a list here, and are you going specifically to places that speak to you, or is it just, a, you know, you set up a tour and you'll find things that people have in common as you go, can you tell me a little bit about your, I think I've written it down actually, there's London, Oxford, Harlow, Bedford, I
1: got as far as that, so you get about Yes, so um, yeah, we've done Where to Belong in London before, Um, it was supported by CASA Festival, which is a Latin American festival and rich mix, and we then uh, performed it in Edinburgh um, at Summer Hall, which is a wonderful place to be as an artist, and to meet other artists as well, and to represent this Jewish Sephardic queer story in that space as well, because it's not a lot of it. Yes, so we're going, we're starting at Casa Festival in London, so that's on the 3rd of September. We then go to Oxford Playhouse on the 7th of September, and then we go to Harlow Playhouse on the 9th of September. Uh, The place in Bedford is the 18th of September, and then we go to Cardiff in Wales to Chapter uh, on the 23rd of September, and we close at home in Manchester on the 14th of October. I think Manchester is one that I'm really excited about because there's a huge—I you know, I, want to say huge—but there is a significant Sephardic community there, and there's um, always a very strong Jewish history there and community. The other places, also like maybe a couple of them, don't have the the same uh, Jewish uh, presence. But but these are places I wanted to take this story around the country, places that don't normally get. Um, this content, like they, they usually, you know, are more used to uh, British stories that are more, I don't know, white uh, centres or or more different stories. And, and I wanted to, you know, go to as many different places as possible and I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, it's a very good this. list actually, isn't it? Because home is a wonderful venue and uh, has a sort of a Jewish, contiguity, I'm not looking for the right word, um, and Oxford's got that very mixed community where they all share one synagogue, but that includes the party as well, so they are good inclusive places. Harlow, I mean, I've got a great place, you look at the Playhouse there, where are you in Harlow? Yes,
1: yeah. at the Playhouse, Harlow Playhouse.
0: They've done loads of Jewish stuff there, because I've been there, So um, and I'm on the other side of London, but I. <laughs> you know, it's good and it's on there, you go, excellent, I think it's
1: a great list. There's a huge uh, Essex Jewish community, right? It's
0: massive, isn't it? (laughs) Lots of Essex girls. (laughs) 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 So um, is there something different you want to get out of it, or you just want to go on spreading? I mean, as I said to you, is it still evolving?
1: Every time I perform it, I have to update it a little bit, like um, I have to think of the context. And I think now more than ever, you know, if I look at where to belong and the themes and the talk about, like we were saying, migration, we were talking about refugee, we were talking about identity, you know, in this time, very challenging time in the world, like I think all these things became even more. High stakes because we, we're all like a bit confused about where we are and where we're going. I think I'll have challenges like there. There were things like uh, I, I interact with the audience uh, a little bit, and and I have to rethink bits of it where I might have contact or not. So and, and and contact means more, or or asking mm. to a, speaking to a stranger means more, isn't it <laughs> nowadays? And and I just yeah I want to reflect our times with those themes and and also to bring connection more than ever because we've been so disconnected and and this show is all about connection mm-hmm. and embracing each other and and building something together.
0: That's absolutely beautiful. I, I would end there, but we have mentioned the pandemic. So the excitement is that you are doing a real face to face show. You're not on Zoom for that one, even though we are now, that that you've outlined the main challenge for you. It isn't that many times that people actually touch each other during a performance. Presumably, the audience will be masked. That's going to be quite strange as well, isn't it, I guess?
1: Definitely.
0: I hope you will feel the warmth coming off them, uh, be able to see the expression in their eyes and hear laughter where necessary or whatever there is. I wish you all the best. I think it sounds incredible. i just, just probably ask you, so after all this time, it sounds like a question, where to belong, I'm not sure that it is now, so you sound like you belong in all those communities to me, you sound very accepting and I'm thinking they must be accepting of you, you am, I, is, am I being too pollyanna am I being too optimistic about this?
1: Well I think there's a bigger place inside each of us, isn't it, of acceptance, which, which definitely is more important than, than being accepted, but I like to ask these questions with all of your listeners, with all of you, and to, to try and find together what is this belonging. Um, it is healing to talk about all of these different identities in one space. And, and I would love to have everyone with me to do that. And, and, and it's been two years <laughs> that I haven't met an in-person audience, so I'm very excited.
0: Well, I'm excited too. I'm excited for you, and I'm determined to get to see you. So I just want to thank you enormously, Victor Esses, for sharing with me today, asking me where I belong almost, where to belong. Now we know, don't we? It's life-affirming, it's It's positive, it's beautiful, but challenging as well, I think. Um, So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for talking to me for Jewish Renaissance for JR Out Loud, and I wish you all the very best on your tour.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, Judy, and I really look forward to seeing you at the show as well.
0: Thank you. That's my challenge. I'll be there.